This information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or accountant to discuss your particular business situation. SBA's participation in this presentation is not an endorsement of the views, opinions, products, or services of any of the participants, persons, or entities. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. This information is as current as January 13, 2021. Aloha and Happy New Year. Hope you're doing well as we kick off 2021. I'm Evan Leong from Grain Gain Hawaii, and welcome to our 19th Save Hawaii Jobs and Businesses PPP webinar for January 13, 2021. Please let me introduce our team for today. First off, we have Cynthia Yamasaki, who's the Outreach and Marketing Specialist at the SBA Hawaii office. Darren Leong uh, is from the Law Office of Darren R. Leong and is a Specialist in Employment Law. Stacy Katakura is the CEO of Accumulus, which is an outsourced CFO and accounting firm. We have Jeff Harris, who's a senior name partner at the Torkelson Law Firm. Buddy Leong is the executive director of Virtual Student Experiences. He handles our communications, our backend and chat box. Coco Leong is the chief marketing officer for Virtual Student Experiences and is in charge of our content, video editing, and our YouTube channel and podcast. Beckett Wren is the head of communications for Virtual Student Experiences and is handling the show notes for today. Questions will be taken during this webinar through the Q&A module only. You'll see the button at the bottom of your um, Zoom window. If you post it in the chat box, um, it's not gonna be answered and you'll most likely be asked by Buddy to post it in the Q&A module. So it's best to do it there first. Um, you can upvote questions in the Q&A module and we'll do our best uh, toward the latter part of the webinar to answer them live. Disclaimer for today, this information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or accountant to discuss your particular business situation. SBA's, participa SBA's participation in this presentation is not an endorsement of the views, opinions, products, or services of any of the participants, persons, or entities. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. This information is current as of January 13, 2021. And without further ado, let's start with Cynthia Yamasaki. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Cynthia, and thank you for joining us today, everyone, and taking the time. I'm just going to cover some three main things, a very high-level update. So this economic aid package is being rolled out, and it's in phases. And like today, we'll be focusing more on the PPP updates. Um, I wanted to clarify, because there seems to be some confusion, but when you hear of the opening of the portals. It means that the SBA is opening up its lending portal to the lenders. It's not for the borrowers to go directly. This is for PPP loans. And it was rolled out in phases. The first phase started on Monday, and that was what they call the first draw. The first draw were for um, the underserved areas, and um, in particular, women in business, veterans in business and other um, underserved economically disadvantaged areas, those loans were available for first time borrowers. And it was through what they called a community financial institution. So those are um, like what we call CDFIs, um, certain credit unions and lenders that have this ability to do community financial loans. 
um, we have a list that Buddy will post of the Hawaii lenders that you'll see an asterisk that denotes who are those lenders. And also on that list is all the Hawaii lenders, if they are offering PPP loans to existing borrowers, people who got PPP loans last year, or in existing customers or new customers. So, um, so let me just clarify this PPP when they talk about first draw, that means for any person or business who did not get a PPP loan last year. So the first rollout, as I mentioned, is for CFIs. They rolled it out on Monday, and then today, Wednesday, they rolled it out for that group that got a loan and want to apply for more. The next phase of rollout are for most of you on this call who are interested in what they call the second draw. The second draw means that you received the PPP loan last year, and you would like to apply for more funds because you had economic losses or continue to have economic losses because of this pandemic, which is unfortunate. So those details are going to be covered by my colleagues here on the line, Darren and, and Jeff. But just to know, first draw means you never got a loan. Second draw means you had a PPP loan and you would like to get more. That you would go through your, if you had a loan last year, it's highly recommended that you go back to your lender, but you don't have to. Um, but they would have all the information. So you go to the lender that offered you or gave you the PPP loan. Other things that are covered in this economic package that's going to be rolled out is grants to shuttered venues. So it's called Save Our Stages. That will include the entertainment and certain ones. Now there's a webinar tomorrow and I will give the information if you haven't see, seen it already. Um, there's a webinar tomorrow about that grant. If you get that grant, if you fall into that category, you do not qualify for a PPP loan. It's one or the other, not you can't receive both. Then we are expecting more information of how the idle um, advance or grant as it was known that was issued last year is going to change. So generally speaking, we know that for loan forgiveness last year, when we wrote it out, when you got your loan approved for forgiveness, the EIDL advance that you received was deducted from that forgiveness amount. Well, the new Economic Aid Act reversed that. And so if you already got your PPP loan forgiven and your IDL was you know, deducted, your advance was deducted, the SBA is gonna work with the lender and then the lender will contact the borrower who had that PPP loan forgiven. So that's really a high level um, that will be discussed more. The other point I wanted to share is that it is something like last year, as Jeff mentioned as we were talking, it's almost like last year where this is something where there's economic aid being rolled out, want to do it quickly. So there's a lot of information that was rolled out in general and details are following. So highly recommend that you keep posted to these webinars like today. Also, you can look if you subscribe to the SBA's newsletter, just go to sba.gov and subscribe to be on their newsletter list. You'll receive information. 
you can also subscribe to the Hawaii mailing list. So if you go to sba.gov slash Hawaii or HI, then we will post all the different webinars that we will be rolling out in more detail as it impacts all these economic aid programs. I mentioned the list of lenders. Please know that this list is what we found for the Hawaii lenders. We also included some of the fintechs um, like PayPal and Square, whether or not they are offering this next round of PPP. And um, that's it. So, you know, uh, you can get that from Buddy. And if you have any questions, I also am available and my information um, is there at sba.gov. Cynthia.yamasaki at sba.gov. Thank you. Back to you. Evan. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Cynthia. Um, so uh, a few just items to note in the chat box is where uh, buddy posted a link to the google drive so that drive has the current version of uh, our memo uh, there it's it's version one uh, dated january 11th so feel free to go there what we tried to do is put an all-in-one summary of PPP1, of PPP2, and what we think is a very important uh, tax credits, the employee retention tax credit. So feel free to go there. And then also on that site or on that um, Google Drive is the document that Cynthia mentioned that has the list of participating uh, PPP lenders. Um, reminder to uh, Upvote in the question and answer um, box, the Q&A box, upvote the questions that are most important to you. Uh, so uh, after we give a little presentation, we'll, as usual, go into that and go right down the list with the most upvoted ones. Uh, as I'm looking through it, it's nice to see that uh, the questions that you guys have are, are right on point to the ones that we have as well or anticipate. So um, we should be, uh, I think efficient and helpful when we do that Q and A. Um, so Jeff is going to cover uh, the PPP two because uh, the folks on this webinar are uh, the vast majority have already gotten PPP one um, and have a, a real pretty deep understanding of it. So Jeff will will cover the outline of PPP two and then. Uh, Stacy will cover the employee uh, retention tax credit. Uh, I'll just note up front if you listen to nothing that's said over this hour, but you are a business that has, you know, suffered a real significant decline in income, revenue, et cetera. Um, pay attention to the employee retention tax credit because the combination of PPP2 and the employee retention tax credit is very substantial. And uh, in a number of cases for you folks, the amount of financial benefit from the tax credit is actually more than uh, what PPP2 will be. So um, don't discount it, keep it in your sights. And I would, I would do a lot of following up on that tax credit um, to see if you qualify as well. Okay, I'll pass it over to Jeff. Uh, who will unmute himself and then uh, go from there. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Darren. And let me echo Darren's last point. 
unlike PPP one, PPP two says you can have you can use the employee retention tax credit and and the PP PPP two. I'm going to call it PPP two um, loan uh, as long as you don't it doesn't cover the same wages. So so and we'll get to that more some later. Uh, but right now I want to talk about who's eligible for the loan because there's been a little bit of confusion for that so far. First of all, you, you had to receive a PPP-1. You had, you had to use the PPP-1 or be, be able to say, I'm going to use the PPP-1. Second of all, you, you can't have more than 300 employees. It's not 500 employees anymore, it's 300 employees. And third, you have to have experienced a reduction in revenue to 2020 compared to 2019, or one quarter in 2020 compared to one quarter in 2019. What about if I wasn't in operation all of 2019? Well, there's some special rules that apply to you if you weren't in, in operation for the first, second, third, or fourth, fourth quarter. If, if you weren't in operation in 2019, there's some special rules that tell you how to show you experience sufficient revenue. Second, after, after you determine whether or not you're eligible, how, oh, and, and excuse me, there are special rules for um, accommodation, food, and news organizations that, that 300 employee um, cap doesn't apply outside of your individual location. In other words, if you're, if you're a chain of restaurants or you're a chain of hotels, that 300 employees just applies to the employees you have now at that location, not the employees you had in 2019, the employees you had ne have now. So, so if you have less than 300 employees, but you have a, a, a number of other locations that get you over 300, if you're outside of accommodations, food, or news broadcasting, you go over 300. If you're in accommodations, food, or, um, or broadcasting, and, it's just your location that measures the 300. Same with the gross receipts. Same with the gross receipts comparison. You compare the gross receipts at that location for, for those special entities. How, how much is the loan you get? That's different than it was in PPP1 for those same entities, for accommodations, food, and news. It's three and a half times your uh, average annual payroll for the, the, the measuring period instead of two and a half. Your, your total loan is larger. The, the next thing to, to note that's different in PPP2 is the covered period during which you can use that loan after you apply for and get it is uh, more flexible. It's, you can choose any period between eight, eight, weeks after you get the loan and 24 weeks to, to use that money and measure that, uh, measure how you use that money. To obtain forgiveness and turn that loan into a grant, 
you have to you have to comply with certain use conditions that one that is the same in PPP one and PPP two is 60% of it has to be for payroll expenses, but payroll expenses are expanded. Payroll expenses now include your dental, a, a number of your other employee benefits that weren't included in, in PPP one. The rule is still the same though. You, you have to have paid or incurred those payroll expenses within the payroll period that you choose in between eight and 24 um, weeks. Uh, in the memo, I think there's, there's additional non-payroll non costs that are added on, covered operations expenses, covered supplier costs, covered worker protection expenditures, and uh, uh, covered disaster costs. The one interesting thing there for restaurants is it, it's gonna include your um, um, perishable goods as part of the non-payroll costs that you can use a loan for. But your real focus is gonna be on um, the, making sure that the 60% of your loan goes to your payroll costs. Then, then, well, how am I gonna turn this loan into a grant? How am I going to make sure it's completely forgiven? Well, you, first of all, you're going to have 10 months at, you're still going to have 10 months after your, your um, loan covered period ends to apply for forgiveness. So just like we told you last time when we were talking about PPP1, we, we told you hold off on seeking forgiveness unless you're sure you're going to get all of it. Uh, because things are going to change, and here we are today. They changed, okay. So, so, and and just like we said last time, the plane is going to be built in flight. It's going to be built in flight. There's a lot of questions that we aren't going to be able to answer today. Today, but we can answer some, and and that's that. What is still there? What is still there is even if you get the 60% payroll cost satisfied. And, and use the rest of the loan on non-payroll costs, you're still gonna have these for, forgiveness traps, the traps that you can lose forgiveness on if you re reduce your employees pay too much or you reduce the full-time employees too much. The one, the one exception that we still have, that we still know we have to that, to, to those forgiveness traps, the things that will make you lose forgiveness. I didn't, I don't have the same employees that I had last February, number of employees that I had last February. I re reduced the, the em employees pay by more than 25%. The one excuse you have that gets you out of those, those forgiveness denials is what our governor and our mayor gave us the travel restriction, the business shutdowns. If, if, if when you get to forgiveness, which is a long, is eight to 24 weeks after you get the loan, you, you, uh, you can say my business suffered because of that travel re restriction imposed by the governor or the business, bu business restrictions imposed by the mayor. Well, then that's a, that's, that's a currently uh, existing, it, it remains an, <clears throat> an excuse to uh, elimination of your forgiveness 
under PPP2. There will be some more um, in, uh, forgiveness exceptions or, or exceptions to the forgiveness denial later. But uh, other than that, it's, there's still no reason not to apply for this loan if you're eligible, because even if you, if you don't meet the forgiveness um, um, or, or if you're denied the forgiveness be, because you haven't met these, these um, maintaining employee or, or maintaining pay requirements, it's, it's still only a 1% loan. I know I've tried to race through this, Darren, but I wanted to leave time for you, you and Stacy, to cover the other details and um, um, uh, answer some questions. Thank you, Jeff. Um, so Stacy will cover the employee retention tax credit, and then we could take some questions, and then I think we'll take some questions or prof, uh, provide some commentary about the interplay between the two, even if they're aren't questions on it, because I really do think that uh, it's PPP2 and the employee retention tax credit together that is a, is a big difference. So go ahead, Stacy. Sure. So, I mean, we haven't focused too much on the employee retention tax credit in the past because um, previously you weren't allowed to take the employee retention tax credit if you had the PPP loan, but that uh, the new law that just passed um, uh, changes that. So. Um, all the businesses who did take a PPP loan in the past are now eligible to take the employee retention tax credit. Um, however, as I think Darren mentioned earlier, you cannot claim the tax credit for the same period that your PP, of your PPP loan covered period. Um, so what it is, it's a fully refundable tax credit for employers based on qualified wages um, for the period between March 12, 2020 and July 1st, 2021. Um, uh, eligible employers are um, all employers that carried on a, tra a trader business during 2020 or 2021, um, including tax exempt organizations. Um, and they qualify if either they fully or partially suspend operation during any calendar quarter um, or of 2020 or the first two quarters of 2021 due to uh, orders by the government, or if they experience a significant decline in gross receipts during the calendar quarter. Um, and so this actually applies retroactively. So if you um, did take a PPP one loan, um, you can still you can now take the employee retention tax credit. Um, so companies with fewer than 100 for the, so for the retroactive tax credit, um, which is uh, slightly different than the prospective tax credit. Uh, retroactively, companies with fewer than 100 employees qual uh, qualify. Um, gross receipts were less than 50% of gross receipts for the same quarter of 2019. Um, annual cap of $5,000 per employee uh, or 50% of the $10,000 in qualified wages. Um, and um, so and, and employers that have already filed the employment tax return um, uh, can offset your, uh, your tax return for the, um, the first quarter of 2021. Uh, so the prospective tax credit applies to wages paid after uh, January 1st, 2021 and before July 1st, 2021. So the first two quarters of 2021. Um, after January 21, this applies to employers that have 500 or fewer employees instead of 100. Um, and then after 20, after January 1st, it changes, um, it changes the required business decline from 50% to at least 20% in gross receipts as 
compared to the same quarter of uh, the prior year. Um, and then the credit percentage credit percentage increases from 50% to 70% of the first $10,000 of um, applicable wages in the quarter. Um, so $10,000 per quarter. So, so um, in essence, you can probably you can you can take up to 70% uh, of 10,000 or 7,000 per quarter. So the employee retention tax credit can be up to $14,000 per employee. So I think um, I think that's it. We can. I don't know if you guys want to add on uh, a discussion. Yeah. On let me let me add on to that employee retention tax credit um, and then we can launch into some of the questions we, we may recover I know Jeff is in there answering some just so that everyone hears some of the answers we may recover some of that but um, so think of the employee retention tax credit as having two parts to it so the first part would be the 2020 section so from March 12th uh, through the end of the year having its own set of rules and then a separate set of rules for the the tax credit for the first two quarters of this year okay and then um in terms of thinking about hey do i do i qualify think about it as you have to exclude the period where you are using ppp money to pay um payroll because you can't include that stuff so that'll probably for most of you be in that April through either April, May window, or if you use 24 weeks, a longer window, but still leaves a little bit at the end of the year. And then if you're thinking about getting your PPP number two this year, then the period available for the tax credit is probably January, because that will be before you get a PPP two. And then the second quarter, depending on how fast you use up the PPP two money. Um, and Stacy went through the specifics, but you know, think of it as it, there's a potential for a maximum of fourteen thousand dollars for the first two quarters of this year if it was fully used, um, and uh, ten thousand dollars for last year, which is actually more than you'd get for, for that employee um, under the PPP two. So, so just kind of think about how those two as puzzle pieces fit together so you can try to maximize um, the, the governmental financial benefit. Okay, so let's launch into the 67 open questions. Um, and actually, let me recover a few of the ones that just already got answered because uh, it's pretty quick and just so it doesn't get missed. Uh, the, the question on the um, application form for number of employees uh, is, is a question that is somewhat meaningless, but I think they, they're using it for um, tracking purposes, like statistical purposes. So it's current employees, but it, it doesn't have any impact on how to calculate um, your, your loan amount. So for your PPP loan amount, as Jeff uh, previously said, you got three options. You can just reuse 2019, which is what almost everyone already used, and the bank probably already has that information. And for the majority of you uh, who had reductions in 2020, 2019 is what you're going to want to use. But you also have the option of using 2020 uh, to calculate your average of 2.5 months of payroll costs 
or the year prior to um, your application. Um, uh, in terms of whether you can use the, uh, or whether uh, money like the Honolulu City and County Relief Grants or other non-PPP money, whether that counts in your gross receipts, uh, at present, it looks like everything except your first PPP um, counts. Your first PPP uh, and um, idle advance. And idle advance, excuse me. Um, your, question your, about- The, the, the taxes, the GE taxes don't apply. You can take out GE taxes. You can take yeah, out- Yeah, you're actually required. You're actually required to take out GE taxes under the, the uh, definition for yeah. Yeah. Um, gross receipts. Uh, and I think that is it there. Um, I did misspeak last time. So in terms of the deductibility, um, that is not something that is dependent on whether you already got forgiveness. Um, your PPP one is still deductible. So I apologize for misspeaking last time. Okay, questions that are open. Hold on, um, do we know that under state? Do we know that under state law yet? Stacy, uh, state, yeah. So my answer was for federal law. Stacy, do we know yeah. the answer under state law? Uh, the state hasn't conformed yet to federal the federal law. Yeah, that, that, you would in ordinary times you would expect them to, but as we mm -hmm. all know, we haven't had ordinary times for a while. I would expect yeah. that, um, I would hope that once the legislative session opens, they're gonna issue the conformity bill that would confirm yeah. control. They, they have in, in the past for the PPP stuff, so hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the first question is, is what documentation essentially you'd use to show the 25% decline in gross receipts? Uh, and uh, I think it's your income statements or profit and loss statements or bank statements is what the SBA um, yeah, because there's no um, uh, tax return that shows a quarterly uh, income amount. So I would just use your your financial, your internally prepared financial statements, um, and it should be consistent with whatever method that you use uh, that you report your tax, you file your taxes on. So if you file your taxes on a cash basis, uh, you would use cash basis income statements. Stacy, how about your quarterly GE tax returns? There's only a few companies that actually qualify to file for quarterly GE tax returns, but yeah. that would be acceptable as well. Yeah. yeah. The only thing though about the quarterly, the GE tax returns um, is the income that you typically report on your GE tax returns includes GE to be collected. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and actually it's not, for, for a number of businesses, it's actually gonna be monthly GE mm -hmm. tax returns. Um, but just to Stacy's point, the that number is not necessarily the same as what this definition is. Yes. Um, and the, the definition, which is included in the interim final rules, and I think we did lift it and paste it into our memo, uh, is is a little bit involved. So, um, you know, you could take take a look there. Uh, next question: Does TDI FUI, state UI. What is FUI? I think that's FUDA, not UI. That's probably. Oh, FUDA. that's not FU. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay. Uh, work comp count in payroll costs. Um, so, 
uh, it, it's the same as before. So they do not other than workers comp now costs, right? Because that would be essentially a disability insurance. Um, and uh, other, well, I guess. I think TBI and SUDA also are included. They are, yeah. but that's for when you, when you go for in for forgiveness, it doesn't go into the calculation for your next PPD2 loan amount. The loan amount is based on average monthly income times two and a half. You don't add those things in for this. Payroll costs, got it. Okay. But, but, but they are, Go ahead. Cynthia, but, yeah. but you're saying that they are workers' comp and TDI premiums no. paid no. during the premium or part of payroll costs? No, those are, that's what, no, I'm not saying that. Would yeah, that okay, I didn't, yeah. Correct. I, would, I was just um, thinking that if you thought you could add that in for your loan amount for the next second round, that's not. It's two separate things from forgiveness and how you determine your next loan amount. Loan amount versus eligible costs. Eligible, forgivable costs. Correct. Yeah, because yeah. what got added or at least clarified in terms of eligible, forgivable payroll costs is uh, payment required for the provision of group health care benefits, group yeah. life, disability vision or dental insurance including insurance premium including insurance premiums yeah and so and, disability and, insurance premiums essentially yeah but so the the legitimate question is how about the payments i make for my workers compensation insurance and my temporary disability insurance to comply with state law and it's, and it's possible to it's possible to read Th that definition as including those that's a legitimate question i just i'm i'm just not sure that that answers it mm. okay. okay yeah um next question will headcount be based on the quarter we use to show the decrease in business um headcount i'm gonna no. reinterpret no. talking about no, 300 300 employees is the day you apply. Oh, that headcount. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got that now, one. For, 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 for forgiveness, if the question is forgiveness, if you're looking at the FTE reduction right now, it's still February 2019. Mm -hmm. Okay, but we hope they change. There's a hope that they change that. Congress has given them a, has given them an opportunity to change that but the, the, the SBN treasury haven't done that and i it's i don't think it's high on their list yeah let let me unpack that let me unpack that a little further yeah. which is the, the the current requirement and this is this is the issue that is carrying over and and raising a lot of questions in pgp2 the, the question is i use all the money for the correct uses in the 60-40 ratio, 60% payroll costs, 40% non-payroll costs. But um, what do I do about FTE reductions? And that's a problem that, that I would say most employers faced in the first round in terms of not getting docked on forgiveness for FTE reductions 
and is a requirement that still remains in the second round and has yet to be uh, or will in the future be clarified. But the actual requirement is to compare your FTE count, which you know loosely people are saying headcount, et cetera, but it's your FTE count, comparing it to a reference period. And that reference period is you have two choices currently. It's between February uh, 15th and why didn't I open it up ahead of time? Uh, June 30th, 2019. So that, that average FTE count between February 15th and June 30th, 2019, or the first two months of 2020. And essentially you wanna pick the lower head count. And the way that uh, the, the reduction is currently constructed is that if during whatever period you choose, eight weeks or 24 weeks or whatever it is in between for your covered period, your FTE count has to meet or exceed the, the reference period. So when we were kind of just, just shorthand talking about it, that's what we're talking about. And for many employers, the FTE count in the covered period, say it was you got your loan on uh, April of last year and, and use a 24 week period, your FTE counts lower than, than say the reference that you're using, which is the first two months of 2020. Then the question on the table is how do I get into one of the safe harbor exceptions so that my forgiveness is not reduced? Um, okay. Sorry for rambling. Um, anything you guys wanted to add to that before I jump to the next question? I, let me let me answer James' uh, question. Is there a list of these forgiveness traps you guys can put together? So the, the forgiveness traps are, and let me just say it again, Darren, Darren alluded to it already. Look, you, you get the 60% of the loan to payroll costs 40% to non-payroll costs, you're all good. But then you, that forgiveness is reduced if you reduce, if you reduce any individual employee's compensation by more than 25%, or you don't maintain the same full-time equivalent employees that you had back in February, 2019. But there are some except, and those are what I meant by the forgiveness traps. Okay, and those forgiveness traps, reducing employees' pay by 25% or not maintaining the employees you had back in 2019, the best, best way you get out of those forgiveness traps, James and anybody else that's asking, is you, ref, you refer to this state and county shutdown. And if you can show that the state and county shutdown, travel shutdown or business shutdown substantially impacted the number of employees you have, then, then that's, that is probably the best way we have now to say, can you think about using that to get around what I called the forgiveness traps. Just so you know, um, the, the forgiveness traps um, are outlined in our memo that's on the Google Drive. It starts at yeah. around page six of the memo. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, I mean, let me, let me take another crack of just sort of 
putting it in a framework. Think of your PPP2 as having three parts to it. The first is, am I eligible? How much do I get? Right. That's the, you know, the added requirement of a 25% decline quarter over quarter, that whole thing. Okay. So that seems fairly clear. And there's been quite a lot of talk about that. The second piece is it's using the money for the right purposes. Um, and that's the 60% payroll costs, 40% non-payroll costs. Now you get to choose a period in between eight and 24 weeks. It's very permissive now. So all, all the, um, sorry, go ahead and mute probably. It's probably on jabs, but go ahead and mute. The, um, so a lot of the changes to PPP that have been made up through now have just made it much, much easier to use up all the money because they give you a longer period. You can go all the way to 24 weeks, which is what, like almost six months to, to use the money up on the right purposes. Um, so that part is made easier. But the third piece is really where all the hangups are. And the third piece is, uh, I used up all the money, but do I get my forgiveness reduced? And as Jeff pointed out, there's two uh, places where, where you would get reduced. One is that reducing individual employee pay more than 25%. And then the second is the one that's getting all the attention, which is your FTE counts. So um, that's in the yeah. total framework when we're talking about, hey, we have an FTE count, that is not high enough and we need an exception. You know, that's where, where Jeff is saying, the one that you most likely are going to use is the exception that says, this exception applies when a significant amount of the reduction in business activity resulted from state and local government shutdown orders based in part on guidance from federal agencies. So that's, that's a framework, go ahead. And that to keep in mind the purpose of what this round two is, why you need the funds and to keep people employed and help you keep continuing your business. So, you know, the, the forgiveness part, you don't want to like focus on what can be forgiven or not. You want to really just follow the guidelines that are on the instruction forms. It's a little clearer now this time around on the application form, how to calculate it. When there's some questions on there, like is there flexibility? I think Desi put on the decrease in revenue. No, if it said you can choose which quarter you want, you know, use the same baseline period and the, the, to show, but it has to be at least 25% decrease. So it's to show that you had economic loss. That's why you need these funds. That's how you're verifying that or certifying. That's why you need the PPP. Same, I think there was another question. So yeah, just keeping that in mind, I won't answer other questions, but just, um, yeah, I just wanted to reiterate that. Think about who do you employ now and um, knowing what some of the forgiveness rules are now, and it may change, but knowing as they are now and all that issue we had about whether it's full-time or part-time, just be more conservative and include the people that you know you have hired that are full-time and, um, and that are on board that you want to keep employed from now and going forward as you get the funds. Um, Cynthia, I think that that next question is um, one that you 
touched on before, but why don't you recover it, which is if you already got, um, uh, well, I guess this is slightly different. I've already paid off the idle amount to my bank. Will I be able to get that money back since I paid it before the new PPP rules were established? So I'm gonna assume things for Tracy. I'm gonna assume that you're referring to the idle advance portion. So, so if you got, let's say, for example, you have five employees, so you receive $5,000 and that $5 advance was deducted from your PPP forgiveness. Yes, the SBA will contact your bank, let your bank know, and your bank will then reimburse or will, will be communicating with you. Okay. And uh, Jeff I, is blasting away on some of these. So I can pick the next one. Um, so the next okay. question. Uh, we were participants in the Aloha Connects Innovation Initiative and hired two employees through it. So our employees as part of that program count towards the PPP. And I'm, I'm assuming you mean the headcount, but in the in the ACI program, which I was a part of as well, um, your employees were actually employers of the Economic Development Alliance of Hawaii, not, and they weren't um, on your, your payroll, so to speak. So I, I wouldn't use that as part of your headcount. Yeah, and one point of clarification from these prior ones, you do not, getting forgiveness um, on your first loan is not a requirement of obtaining a PPP2. The requirement is that you have used or will use by the time that you get your loan, um, all funds from your PPP1 so that you, you will have used it, but not necessarily obtain forgiveness. Darren, on, uh, there's a number of questions on the employee retention tax credit. And I think the best thing to do is to refer the participants to pages 15 and 16 of our memo, which goes through the criteria. There are some, there are some caps, but they're fairly generous caps. There are some eligibility requirements as to the loss you suffer. If you, it, within those caps and assuming the loss you recover, and there are also some uh, employee caps, especially going back, but the benefit available is taking 50% of your wages off your final quarter of 2020, 941, and taking 70% off of of the wages you pay your employees off your first and second quarter 941s and so it's a, it's a, as long as those wages that you're taking the credits off your 941s from don't duplicate the the wages that you used your PPP loan for so it's it's a, it's potentially a tremendous benefit as Darren pointed out from the start, and you, it's it's something you don't have to ask anybody for. You just need to make sure you're right and take the credit on your nine four one. Yeah, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record on this. So, uh, because this this is truly new. Like PPP two is is another round, and we're familiar with it. But we, you know, it was in our first memo, the employee retention tax credit. But we paid no attention to it. And the reason we paid no attention to it was because everyone 
on this this call, all 640 of you probably got um, PPP money. And at that time, you couldn't use this tax credit, but now you can, and then they expanded it and made it easier. So if you're a business that has employees, right, so I'm not talking to the sole proprietors, the, the where there's no employees, that sort of thing, but for all these businesses that had employees and are under 500 employees or under 100 employees, uh, and you got whacked by COVID, which is a good chunk of you on our webinars because we, you know, we interact with you um, by email and such. Uh, if you are going to qualify for PPP two, then you have you already have a 25% decline. So. In the employee retention tax credit, I'm, I'm going to bet that for many of you that are going to qualify for PPP2, you're going to qualify for the tax credit as well, because the, the tax credit portion that's for the first two quarters of 2021, that piece of it, you only need to show a 20% um, decline, uh, and you can take uh, 70% of the employees' wages um, as, a, as a tax credit up to um, $10,000 per quarter. So 70% of $10,000 is 7,000. So there's, for each employee, there's theoretically 7,000 available in the first quarter and 7,000 available in the second quarter of this year. That would be $14,000 of tax credit just for one employee. So it's it's definitely worth digging into because I know many of you are, are super up to speed and, and in deep on PPP and have been with us through webinar after webinar and, and are real deep into the, the, the innards of it. But I would say get you know, if you think you likely qualify for the tax credit, I would get deep into this as well, because there is a real substantial amount of money um, here and it's not getting the press attention. Um, it's really PPP2 is getting the press attention. So, uh, you know, dig in and look if you may be able to claim the, the credit for 2019 for at least some period of time and then um, see if you're going to make it for 2020. Um, some thoughts on marrying the PPP2 and an employee retention tax credit together. So you should keep in mind that uh, you can't use the tax credit while you're using PPP. But if you use up all your PPP2 in uh, a way that you can get full forgiveness and you still have a period of time left over where you could apply the tax credit, you might be able to get up to the whole or very close to the whole tax credit per employee. So I'll just give you an example. If you get a PPP2 loan, say on February 1st, and then you use an eight week period to um, use up all that PPP2 money, for, for payroll and non-payroll costs, and it's all forgivable. So say so you that takes up February and uh, it takes up March. That leaves you all of January to squeeze into the employee tax credit for the first quarter. 
and then it leaves you the entire second quarter to to make it for the second quarter tax credit so you know think about how they interact so that you can uh to the extent possible take advantage of both um okay i beat that horse before we leave the subject on uh, employee retention, uh, the employee uh, retention tax credit, I wanted to just answer Zach's question. So it doesn't matter if it's a full, full or part-time employee; you can take it on any employee. Yeah, and and it apl applies also to tax exempt organizations. So let me let me take the next question. Uh, Marcia's question: Would would the PPP loan we received in twenty twenty be counted for purposes? of the revenue loss. No, even if that loan is forgiven, it will not be included in the gross receipts. So, so, so that don't count that loan. So don't count that for the idle advance if you received it. Yeah, don't, don't count, don't count that in your gross receipts. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure about the city, city and county grants. I, I, it's, it's not clear. I, I would think go, using the principle that's right in the regulations where they say the amount of any forgiven PPP one loan isn't included in gross receipts that you probably have a good argument that any sort of city and county grant follows the same suit and that's not really gross receipts. But the only thing that, that SBA regulations say now is that the PPP-1 is not included in your gross receipts for purposes of determining whether or not you're eligible for PPP-2. Yeah, okay. Um, and we, we've heard rumors that the full um, uh, acceptance of um, applications may start Friday, but that, that that's not from the SBA and it's not confirmed. So we're, I, <laughs> I guess I'm passing on a rumor, but. Right. Um, so how it works is the SBA might have the portal open, but it's to the lenders. And when the lenders are ready to open up their portals, um, that may be on, if it, for example, if, it, if the SBA opens the loan portal, portal to the lenders on Friday, and if the lenders are ready, they will open. But when they open to their borrowers or applicants, that's to be determined by each bank when they're ready. Yeah. So when, and yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll attribute the, the second comment to, uh, is, it, is it AICPA, yeah. Stacey? Yeah, it was which AICPA. Is, which is they think there will be enough money. Um, so, Yes, in other words, spend this time to gather your documentation and just make sure that you're not rushing and submitting a potentially incorrect application. I think they've also said that there's um, a little bit more uh, screening procedures that are going to be placed on the applications this time. So um, you really want to make sure that you're sub submitting complete and accurate uh, documentation. Yeah, and one of the benefits of going back to the same institution that gave you the, the first loan is that they already have all your payroll figures, presumably for 2019. So if you're using 2019 as the basis for calculating your loan amount, again, um, 
it should be a fairly simple process if you're at the same place that already vetted all that information, uh, unless you're going to use, you know, 2020 or, or a different basis. But for the vast majority, I think you're going to end up using 2019 because all the reductions happened in 2020. So um, the, the lender you went to originally will be way ahead of the game, presumably, in already having most of the information you need. And then really the information to be provided at that point is for loans over $150,000, you're going to have to substantiate that 25% loss. But for the loans under $150,000, the documentation is deferred until the forgiveness process. So you're not even going to be required, presumably, to um, provide the the supporting documentation to show the 25% decrease if you are a loan under $150,000. But, okay, so but have it ready because- Yeah, sure. And you are, you are gonna be certifying that you meet the criteria to receive yes. the loan. Yes. yes. Okay, so final thoughts, uh, we'll go in a, a circle. Stacy, any final thoughts? Um. No, I mean, I think I'll just echo um, what Darren's kind of um, the, the, the dead horse that Darren beat. <laughs> that um, You really want to look into the employee retention tax credit um, and make sure that you're taking advantage of that. That's a, I think that's a really big um, uh, uh, add on to this, uh, this latest bill. Jeff, final thoughts. Uh, it, it's good being with all of you again. We're going to probably be seeing a little bit more of each other than we have in the last couple months. This first round of, of um, guidance is clear in a number of respects. When I look back to where we were in the first month of PPP1, I think we're, we have a better understanding of how to work with this sort of process than we did back then. But, but Many of the questions that I've seen in uh, how many do we have now over 100, 115, many of those questions are the same ones we have. D D Darren or Evan, maybe you, you could let people know that we'll try and get back to them with many of answers to many of those after. Cynthia, final thoughts. Just to add on to what Jeff said, yes, I noticed that there's still a lot of open questions, some which there are information, but you have to really go through the IFRs so we can get back to you. Also, um, want to thank Evan and Jeff and Darren, Buddy, Stacy, for doing this and offering this webinar today. We are going to continue to have webinars with this team and with others in the community and with lenders. So. Um, Think of all your questions and we'll be providing more information. We get the information at the same time that is when it's posted on sba.gov. So bear with us as we do the research, but we do wanna make sure that your minds are put at peace and more importantly, that we are helping all the employees out there, your businesses and the Hawaii small business community. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Cynthia. My, my final thought is when we started this back in April of last year, we had a whole bunch of topics on the table, families first, sick leave, PPP, et cetera. And eventually it all coalesced around just PPP. Um, 
my view on that now is it is now coalesced around PPP and the employee retention tax credit. Uh, it, I think it's that important. Um, so with that, thank you for joining us and we will see you all next time in the virtual world. Take Bye. care.